also want to say uh, some more words about this practice of generosity. Um, some of it may be somewhat of a uh, reminder from last month. So, um, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, it's like talking about love. It's talking about, like talking about gratitude. It's something that that just kind of blooms the heart. You know, both the practice of it, the feeling of it, the remembering of it, the receiving of it. Um, I think of it as the the fifth Brahma Vihara. So the Brahma Viharas are these teachings the Buddha gave on cultivating the heart of love, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. And they all transform the heart. And I think of generosity as a similar practice of, in terms of how it transforms and opens and connects and uh, creates a sense of well-being and warmth and uh, love, actually. It's another doorway or expression of love. And um, I was, as I was reflecting, I was thinking about the practice that I used to do uh, that I actually learned from Cafe Gratitude, uh, um, which is a great cafe, and, and they have a great book on gratitude. And so gratitude and generosity also are very close to me, especially in, in being grateful for all the things that we receive from other people's generosity. And so the practice that I... Um, uh, used to do is called a never-ending journal entry of things that you're grateful for. So, you know, you might start with, you know, I'm lying in bed and I'm, you know, grateful to be in bed and <laughs> and the, to have a duvet and to have a warm house and to have a house and the fact that it's safe and that it's quiet and I don't have to go to work today and, you know, and it, you know, I barely got out of the room and I'm grateful for 50 things, you know, the, um, so, and but what it ties me into is all the things that I'm grateful for that are here because of the offerings of others. Yeah, so when we think about generosity, I was thinking about all the different, d- different uh, things people do for work. And even though it might be a job that people do because they need money, it's also in, within the context of that work, it's, there's so much generosity happens. So my good friend Eugene Cash, who's a spirit rock teacher here, who had a very, very bad cycle accident last week, and I've been visiting him in hospital. And I, one of the things I love about going to hospital um, is the being around the nurses and the generosity of the nurses, and just that pure spirit. You know, it's a job and it's work, but it's also the way they give of themselves. It's a very beautiful thing. So I, 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 I nobody really wants to go into hospital, but. If you have to go in, I, I take time to appreciate the, the the spirit there. You know, it's the same if you go into a school. You know, and the teachers, the, the way teachers give of themselves. You know, quite effort, quite selflessly, because uh, they certainly don't get paid. <laughs> it's not a job you do for the money. Uh, and the way they, you know, take care of kids and nurture kids' uh, hearts and souls and education and um, of being appreciative of of people who are you know, tarmacking the road so we can drive, or the people who are working in some sewage plant somewhere so we can flush our toilets, and the people who are working on the water pipe so we can drink water, and the people who are, you know, just goes on. Everything that we do in the clothes that we wear, feeling grateful of the people who are seamstresses in Indonesia or in El Salvador or in China or for making our socks and sewing our buttons and, 
And so it's if we take a moment to reflect on all that we have and how many people are involved in supporting and, and, and being generous in, in allowing us to have that. This is, is another way of opening the heart. And so to think about the ways that we move in the world and the ways we, we, we can't move through the world without being generous. Everybody is generous, you know, obviously to greater or lesser degrees, but you can't drive without some spirit of generosity. Otherwise, you're a really bad, mean driver. <laughs> it's sometimes you have to let people in. You have to give way. You have to yield, right? That's an act of generosity. If you don't, you're a terrible driver. <laughs> you cause an accident, <laughs> you know. Um, so just ho- holding doors open for people or taking, you know, sharing food with each other or, you know, giving a compliment, you know, or listening. Listening is an act of generosity. It's giving people the thing that we most, the th- most precious thing we have to give is our presence, which is, is the most invisible thing that we give to somebody. So when I'm going to visit Eugene today in hospital, because friend, his friends are doing shifts because he's in ICU and needs to be monitored 24-7 at the moment, you know, so we take, we take four-hour shifts, and it's a complete blessing to do that, just to hang out with him. And I don't really do anything because you know, there's nothing to do except be there and just hold space in case he needs anything. But what we're all bringing is our presence. Yeah, and, that's the, that's, you know, and he feels it even in his, in his state, which is in and out of coherence. Um, he feels the presence. He feels the loving presence. So when you, whether you do that at work or at home with your loved ones or you, whether you do that in your gardening or with children or, you know, to think about uh, what you bring to your life and to your world and to not underestimate the, the gift of your presence. Yeah. So just as we will often notice and acknowledge our friends or our loved ones for their presence when they come visit or when we're going through a hard time or when they just listen to us, that we can, there's many, many ways to give is really what I'm trying to say that, um, you know, sometimes we hear the, about generosity and we think, oh, it's about giving stuff, you know, giving, we all have enough stuff, <laughs> we don't need to give, the, you know, not, we don't, we're not, not everyone has enough stuff, but we have plenty of stuff and it's not really the, 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 the different levels of giving that, um, that was mentioned last time. Uh, giving of things is, is really one, one kind of giving. Um, there's the giving reluctantly, which is, when we, you know, like a, a child might give you, you know, a piece of candy. You don't really want to give it, but it's that kind of reluctant, you know, okay, yeah, I guess I should practice this. Mom tells me it's a good thing to do, you know. <laughs> of course, sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm most touched by the, a friend of mine was showing me his, uh, his, his video of his daughter. She was about 11 months, and... Um, and he's feeding her, and then she, she grabs the spoon and starts to feed herself, and she's just about to take a spoon. She goes, mm, you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's very instinctual, you know, that desire to want to wanna share, want to give, the, the joy of that. So, um, so there's that level of giving where we're reluctant, and there's a, that, that level of giving where we're, we're actually joyously wanting to give, where we're, we're feeling abundant or just we're seeing the blessing of the, what it means to connect and, and offer in a certain way. Um, 
but the 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 things that are most precious as, as somebody mentioned in the back there that when someone when someone asks you can you spend a day with me right that means you're giving you're asked to be giving your presence but also your time so probably the most precious commodity for most of us these days is time it feels like it's a ever dwindling resource and so um what's it like for you to share your time with another with people who need it your support, your presence, your some help with some project, um, help moving, or whatever it is, uh, to think of how you can just just by your just by your very presence, that is an act of generosity. It can be, yeah, so not underestimate that. So giving our presence, giving our time, um, and then another level of giving is giving giving of wisdom, giving of truth, giving of the way we serve through. Uh, sharing our truth and our wisdom with people, another form of giving. So um, so notice as you're listening, what happens for you when you listen to this subject? Like it's like, oh, this is really, I love this subject. Or, oh, no, this is really triggering. It means I've got to do something. I'm, I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. So does, the, does the critic get involved? Several people mentioned the inner critic, the judge. You should be giving more. You're an ungenerous person, you know. Or is it coming from? Oh yeah, no, of course. I this is a good reminder. Or um, all right, this I can see. There's actually many ways that I'm already giving, you know. So maybe taking a moment just to think about the ways that you give in your lives, yeah, to your children, to your partner, to your parents, to your neighbors, to your animals, to your plants to your colleagues at work, to society as a whole, through your resources, through your time. Yeah, so we all know this quality. We all have this quality. And often Buddhist teachings are, are having us look at, at these qualities and these these. Uh, healthy tendencies of mind and heart to m- make them more conscious and to see how they uplift the mind and heart and how when we eat, when we turn our attention to them, sometimes it allows them to bloom, to blossom even more. Or we can see there's ways that we can also stretch. There's ways that we're not generous that actually doesn't really serve us. Yeah, it's one of those things to look at where we when we when we see the places that we're holding on that's actually good news because we're seeing where we're where we're suffering yeah where we're f- where we're holding on to something time money energy presence how does it feel to hold on to something does it feel spacious and connecting and abundant no it feels tight right it feels just like when you might have the, you know I often ask people to pay attention to the first thought, the first generous impulse. We, are, you know, we, maybe you see some disaster on the TV, which there's <laughs> something every day in the Sudan or Darfur or who knows where, and the first impulse is, oh, I just want to, you know, get online right now and send some money. And then the second thought comes, well, but you know, what about the people in, you know, in the latest the, the disaster yesterday? You know, or what about my own needs or yeah, and so, and then we we start to feel more tight and 
conflicted and to into it, but to notice what the first impulse and I, and I the practice I like to give people is to always act on the first impulse, whatever that is, just to, just to trust that natural movement of the heart, and then you know, everything else works itself out, you know, more or less. <laughs> Well, that's, you know. I mean, if it's like, you know, I'm going to give away my life possessions, then you might want to reflect on that one, but um, that's not usually when, these, when these, these sincere impulses come. They're usually, they're usually grounded in some way. Um, <clears throat> I remember there was a, there was a staff person here who was, who was, uh, she was coming to listen to the nuns from San Francisco give a talk, and, and they were needing some financial support because they're living without the support of a monastery. And she said, oh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to be generous." And um, she had a um, initial amount, and which was generous. And then she started you know, as she was throughout the evening. She said, "No, I can't quite. No, I'm really, really not much money." And no, and it sort of went down and went down. And then she said, and then somehow there was some conversation about <laughs> generosity. And they said, "I'm just gonna pick whatever bill comes out of my wallet, the first bill." Right, you know, she had ones, fives, tens, twenties, and a hundred and a hundred bill in there. And she's in the first bill that comes out was a hundred, which was way more than she'd planned to give. <laughs> but she said that's that's that was my intention, so I put it in the bowl. And of course, it felt great to do that. You know, it's a stretch. Sometimes the stretch is a little <clears throat> painful, but it's also really healthy. You know, you know, and it has to be balanced. You know, so for some people. Uh, the tendency is to overgive, to overgive in a way that we get depleted. So, you know, I've worked in, I've been a mental health social worker and a uh, care worker and therapist. And so a lot of those professions, it's really easy to get compassion fatigue. In fact, someone was telling me, there's an article today in the New York Times about compassion, compassion fatigue, where, we, where we're giving too much and we're not listening, we're not being generous to ourselves, to our body needs, to our emotional needs. Um, so... When you hear this talk, you know, to notice where you are on the spectrum. You know, is, are, you, are you listening to this with like, oh my God, no, not one more thing, please. I'm so burnt out from giving. Uh, and there's, and that, that needs attending to. But for most of us, there's usually plenty of room to extend. And, and initially the thought of it can feel constrictive, but the actual act of it is always usually very uh, energizing and uh, freeing. So there's a story of um, a wealthy uh, donor to the Buddha. So when the Buddha was uh, forming his uh, sangha of monastics, of nuns and monks, um, he would rely on the support of um, the lay people and particularly wealthy donors, the, the noble noblemen and the princes and the, there, was a, there was a lot of wealth at the time around um, in the aristocracy and so he would rely on some of that money to support his uh, his monastics and uh, there was a, there was a, um, a merchant Anattapindaka who um, was very moved by the teaching and supported the Buddha um, and, and spent uh, what would be now equivalent of I don't know what, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, most, he mostly gave away his, his, his riches in gold to the Buddha to pay for, to buy land so he could have um, places to stay during the rainy season and built him a monastery and uh, grounds and buildings for the monks and the nuns. Um, 
and uh, beautiful act of generosity. And at the end of his life, he was broke. He went from being this incredibly wealthy merchant, uh, one of the wealthiest of the time, to uh, giving it all away. Um, So we're not suggesting that you do that. (laughs) You could. Um, But, you know, it's really also useful to be balanced, wise to be balanced. You have to live your life. Another thing that I like about the this theme and practice of generosity is uh, when you're actually in the act of giving or or receiving someone's generosity, it's difficult sometimes to know who's giving and who's receiving. Because often we get so much from the giving of, of, of our time or our attention or, our, uh, or even if it's something material, it it's usually gives a lot of abundance and a lot of joy, uh, especially if it's, if it's really a value to the other person. That it, when I reflect on who's giving, who's receiving, it's really uh, not clear. You have a sense of that? Yeah, that's the beautiful reciprocity of it. So just like when um, some people are often reluctant to ask for help, you know, if they're needing something, um, and I'm always reminding people to say, no, do. You know, it's a great thing to ask for help because you just give people the opportunity to, to give. You know, which is always a beautiful thing. So I remember when um, uh, I was in training with Jack, uh, so as part of the, the teacher training here at Spirit Rock, you train with Jack for, sorry about this microphone distortion. Um, <clears throat> uh, we train with Jack for four years, we go through some an apprenticeship program, and in our group there was about seven or eight of us, uh, with him for four years, and um, he does it completely out of the generosity of his heart. Doesn't ask for any money, gives a lot of his time. We met with him uh, four weekends, four four day weekends over the year, plus a lot of phone calls and study and uh, apprenticing with him on retreats. Incredible act of service, and he's done that. He's trained five or six rounds of teachers uh, over the last. 20 some years um, and never asked for a penny and, and so at the end people are always curious you know what to what to offer what to give you know as, 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 as you're invited to here you to give to give um, some darkness as an offering to the teachers who are teaching and we all sat around like well I don't know what he needs you know he's got a nice house and he seems to have tons of Buddhist books he doesn't need any more books he's got tons of Buddhist statues doesn't need any more Buddhist statues and paintings like enough of those Um, and someone said oh but he has a really beaten up old car we should get him a car how about we get him a new car and it was like whoa whoa wait a minute (laughs) there's generosity there's generosity (laughs) And then we sat around and said, well, wait, but how much would that, you know, okay, so if we get him a car, maybe like, I don't know, three or four thousand, I don't know, whatever it turned out to be. And um, so we ended up getting him a car. So his little Camry drives around in this Camry hybrid thing. Uh, so at the end of the training, we, 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 we get the Camry and we park it in the meadow and we tie it with a big red bow. <laughs> and we blindfold him and we take him out. He doesn't know anything about it. We, we've been checking in with his wife about, you know, what kind of car he likes, what color, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and um, so we take him out to the car, and then take the blindfold off, and of course he's just 
<laughs> and it was it was a perfect moment of it was hard to know who was giving and who was receiving because it was such a joy for us to see the look on his face. It was beautiful. So um, yeah. So I think of the generosity that that comes with parenting. Talk about an act of generosity over 18 years or 70 years, (laughs) however long it lasts, right? (laughs) But especially for the first 25. (laughs) Tremendous, tremendous generosity. I mean, we're, we're all here because of the tremendous, tremendous generosity of our parents who loved us, who fed us, who clothed us, who bathed us, who sat up at night when we had temperatures and were sick and drove us to school and took us to lessons. And I mean, however great or not so great the parenting was, and that's a whole other story, just just that labor of love and service, I mean, it's tremendous, tremendous. And any of you who are here who are parents know that firsthand, the, the selfless service it requires to raise children. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's, um, you know, I think the whole fabric of a culture is, is, is sown with uh, those seeds of generosity with raising children and looking after the sick and looking after our aging parents. Yeah. So we're all, do- there's, a, there's this beautiful... Uh, tapestry of generosity going on all the time. Whether you feel like doing it or not, you might not want to get up in the middle of the night. Of course, who wants to get up in the middle of the night when your child's crying or you know, need to be driven to some thing you're not really crazy about, baseball or who knows what it is they're into, but um, that's just what happens. That's the, that's the generosity and it's a beautiful thing. There was a great cartoon in the New York Times, um, not New York Times, the, the uh, New Yorker the other day, um, and so a mother's with her young son, and uh, it doesn't say what the son's saying, but probably saying something like, Mommy, do you, do you love me, like, unconditionally, like, forever, you know, no matter what I do? And she says, Heavens no, sweetie. My love for you has tons of conditions. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's good to remember our humanness. <laughs> so, and the other ways that we can think about generosity, um, uh, one is through our ethical un- integrity. So if you think about being around somebody uh, who's really strong in their, in their morality, in their moral fiber, they give a sense of trust or integrity to be around them. It's a very beautiful gift to know someone is really solid with their word, with their acts, with their thoughts. The gift we give others when we don't hold onto them so tightly. Our loved ones, our spouses, our children. We all know how it feels when someone's got their claws in us <laughs> and they're holding us very tightly and controlling, right? It doesn't feel very doesn't feel very spacious, doesn't feel very free, doesn't feel very generous. It feels that they're acting 
uh, with constriction because of their own fears or views or ideas. So the, the practice of holding each other lightly and spaciously and not, not imposing our views so heavily on somebody or how they should be. I think of this, the example of when um, many of my friends, the children are of the age, they're leaving home, about to leave home, have just gone to college. And that's a huge act of letting go, a huge, a huge generous act of you know, having nurtured these young ones for so long and then they flee the nest and that the, the letting go that has to happen is a beautiful, generous act. And then a few people mentioned about um, uh, being generous with ourselves, right? We're often the hardest, the, the person we're most hard on, the most critical of, the most pushing, you know, harsh, is with ourselves. And what would it be to practice more generosity with ourselves? To, as the person said, I forget who it was, who is giving themselves more space, you know, more time not to be so driven by schedule and ideas of how things should happen and yeah so to think about where we, where if you were to be generous if you were to be do one thing that's generous with yourself what would you give yourself what what does your being need the most yeah? maybe it's need a little more space maybe it's not to complete all those to-do lists by sunday night or return all those emails that will never ever be fully returned you know <laughs> How to read all those books. You know, for most of us, I think it's, oh, a little more space, a little more quiet time, a little less doing, a little less busyness, a little less work, and a little more time to breathe, to be with friends, to be in nature, to lie in a hammock and read a book, to do nothing for a day. What a concept, you know. Or to be patient with our own foibles, you know, they're all the ways that we trip ourselves up, don't live up to our ideals and standards, because guess what, nobody ever could, you know, so to be a little kinder with ourselves, a little more accommodating of our idiosyncrasies. This is a story that I like to share about that, practicing patience. This is in the context of parenting. A man observe, is observing a woman in the grocery store with a three-year-old girl in her, in her shopping cart. As they pass the cookie section, the little girl asks for cookies, and her mother tells her no. The little girl immediately begins to whine and fuss, and the mother says quietly, Now, Monica, we just have half of the aisles left to go through. Don't be upset. It won't be too long. Soon they come to the candy aisle, and again the little girl begins to shout for candy. When told she can't have any, she begins to cry. And the mother says softly, There, there, Monica, don't cry. Only two more aisles to go, then we'll be checking out. When they get to the checkout stand, the little girl immediately begins to clamor for gum and bursts into terrible tantrum upon discovering there'll be no gum purchased. The mother patiently says, Monica, we'll be through this checkout stand in five minutes and then we can both go home and take a nice nap. The man follows them out to the parking lot and stops the woman to compliment her. I couldn't help noticing how patient you were with little Monica, he began. The mother sighed and replied, Oh no, I'm Monica. My little girl's name is Tammy. 
So I can hear some resonance with that story. From so patience there, there, whatever your name is, there, there. It's <laughs> only two more hours left of work and then we'll go home and take a nice nap. <laughs> Only five more minutes of this conversation, then we can leave. <laughs> Only half an hour left of this talk, and then we'll be done. <laughs> hmm. So I also think it's interesting to reflect on generous people that you know. And just to think about what it's like to be around them. What, 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 what happens for you when you think about people with generous hearts, people who do amazing service work, you know, like the Mother Teresas of this world, or people who are working in homeless shelters or in hospitals or school teachers. Or and Just think about that, what it's like to be around that generosity of heart. And then there's certain ease that, that, that people with generosity often have. My sister's one of the generous, most generous people I know, and it, I've always really appreciated being around her to see how freely she gives of herself, her time, her resources. Uh, it's a very beautiful thing. It's been a great uh, role model for me to, to watch. And then just to think about all the ordinary ways that we practice generosity. I have a client who, um, he has uh, four kids, three daughters, and they all went through the Indian princess thing. You know about Indian princesses? Gathering of young ones, young girls, and they do Indian princess things. I have no idea what they do, but... (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I ask him what he's doing tonight. Oh, Indian princess night. What about tomorrow? Oh, it's Indian princess for my other daughter. What about tomorrow night? Oh, that's uh, Indian princess for my other daughter. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure he'd rather be watching the baseball. <laughs> but it's also very sweet the way he, that, that's, that's his practice of generosity. It's a beautiful thing. I once read this article about this couple who had adopted uh, a baby from India <coughs> uh, who had multiple sclerosis, uh, which is a very, very difficult uh, condition uh, for all involved, and the article was talking about their process with that and the fact that they were on their way back to India to uh, adopt another baby, another child, who also had multiple sclerosis, so their child would have company, would have someone that they could relate to and resonate with. And I just thought, what a tremendous act of service to do to do that uh, for their children. Beautiful, beautiful. So many, many ways that everyday people are doing amazing things. And then, you know, in terms of practice, one of the great things about generosity is it does get us to look at our relationship to scarcity, our relationship to what it means to have enough. There's a great line from the Tao, Te Ching. It says, if you realize you have enough, you are truly rich. If you realize you have enough, whatever that is, for you, you are truly rich. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize that there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. 
When you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. So my, one of my teachers used to say, how can you be poor when you live on the earth where there's such abundance? Where the earth and the seasons and the forests and the plants and the birds and the animals are giving themselves freely, so beautifully every day. So lastly, the, the, um, the a beautiful expression or a pinnacle of this development in Buddhist thought is this idea of the bodhisattva. People familiar with the idea of a bodhisattva? This is the idea of um, someone who uh, devotes themselves to uh, relieving the suffering of others. So that's, that's the full expression of their life, is to relieve the pain and suffering and distress of others. So the, there's a wholehearted devotion to that. So the Dalai Lama is a good example of someone who would rather be a humble monk in some quiet cave monastery somewhere. That's really what he, all he wants to do is to study and meditate. But he's, you know, was the the head of the government in exile and the religious leader of Tibetan people and you know has worked selflessly for the last you know 60 years traveling flying going to United Nations and the Congress and you know really uh, incredible selfless work internationally when he's home he meets with every Tibetan refugee who escapes and he has these, these incredible uh, tormented accounts of torture and, and the, the horror that's still happening in Tibet. And he does that out of his this tremendous uh, uh, bodhisattva service, wishing to relieve the suffering of others. So we, again, we can also do that in our own way. My friend, friend dear friend of mine, Fred Van Allman, who teaches in Switzerland, he um, uh, studied with some of the great Tibetan teachers uh, who are now all passed away, and he went to uh, visit Dilgo Kinsa Rinpoche, who was one of the great old masters, what they call the antique masters from Tibet, and he was, his, he was known as the great ocean, because his being was so vast, his, his mind his, was so his spacious, his view was so broad, and um, he never would ever close the door to his room. So he would always be available, no matter how late, how early, people would just come in, pilgrims, devotees, students, and he was always available to respond to what everybody, to what anybody wanted. So that's an example of that. I'm not saying you open your front door and do that. Um, <laughs> you could. <laughs> but to know that there's this tremendous potential in human nature to have that vast resource of generosity. So what I'd like to do is um, maybe have us do some little reflection uh, together um, and to, to, to explore a couple of questions. <clears throat> so the first question is, um, what are the obstacles to you being generous? Or what gets in the way of you being generous? Yeah? What gets in the way of you being generous? And the second You can answer it in two ways. You can answer it, tell me a way that you're generous, uh, or tell me how it feels when you're generous. So we, we tune into the feeling quality. So the first is, what gets in the way of you being generous? 
or what inhibits your generosity. Then the second is, tell me a way that you are generous. So what I'm going to suggest is we do this in pairs. Um, and we'll just take a couple of minutes each with each question. And I'm going to, I'll guide you through it because there's, there's a way to do this in a structured way that, that's um, really helpful. So um, first get into pairs and just turn to anybody that's around you, someone you know, someone you don't know. Raise your hand if you don't have a partner. We'll match you up. Someone at the front here. Anybody else not have a partner? Raise your hand if you don't have a partner. There'll be somebody. So how about you join, just join it. Yeah. So, um, so here's how we'll do it. Um, uh, So um, I'm going to suggest we do it in this form of what's called a repeating question. And it may be that you, 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 you just answer it once and the answer takes up the whole few minutes. Um, but you may just say one word and then the person asks the question again. It's a way, it's a way of probing that allows the, the inquiry to go deep, deeper. So, um, so one of you, partner A, the person with the shortest hair, let's say, <laughs> partner A, just to figure that out, We'll, we'll, we'll say the question, tell me what gets in the way of you being generous. Yeah? And you say, hmm, I don't know, uh, fear. Mm, thank you. And then the, so there's the person who asks the question, thank you. And then you ask the question again, oh, tell me what gets in the way of you being generous. Uh, you know, I don't have any, enough time. Okay, thanks. Tell me what gets in the way of you being generous. Uh, I don't know. Thank you. Tell me what gets in the way of you being generous. Um, God, I feel really embarrassed. Uh, I feel, um, I know, I don't have enough money. Thank you. Tell me where. So you just, it's a, it's a very non-judgmental uh, inquiry. The person just listening, no judgment. We all have similar versions of the same story. This is, um, will be, this will be confidential between you two. Um, yeah, so we'll do that for a couple of minutes. I'll ring a bell and then we'll switch roles and then partner B will ask partner A, tell me, tell me what gets in the way of being generous. And then we we'll go to the next question. Is that clear? Yeah. Okay. Fire away. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.